Welcome to Shi'ar Jeshub, a Bible study program coming from Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut. Today, we will be continuing a sermon by Pastor Greg Scalzo from his series on Heavenly Authority, focusing on the Jerusalem Council in Acts chapter 15. When we left off, Pastor was discussing James's comment in verse 21 that Moses is preached in every city, being read in the synagogues every Sabbath. Pastor Greg ties this into James's judgment that the Gentiles should not be troubled except to write to them to abstain from four very essential things, meaning that whatever else they need to learn from the law of Moses and how it applies to the spiritual life of the believer now under grace, they will have sufficient opportunity to hear. Let's rejoin Pastor Greg. So we're not under the law, but because we have faith in Jesus Christ, we accept it as the Word of God and we apply it constantly and appropriately to our work and our walk as Christians. And that's why I believe James is saying there's no reason to trouble them anymore. They're going to hear that if they love the Lord Jesus Christ, Moses has a constant testimony throughout many generations in every city being read in every synagogue every Sabbath. Don't worry about it. Now, many hold verse 21 rather to apply to verse 20 um, as though James's judgment is that the Gentiles should not be troubled except for these stipulations saying that they should do these things, abstain from sexual immorality, uh, things polluted by idols, things strangled and from blood. They should do them simply out of respect to the Jewish believers to allow for harmonious relations by eliminating practices that would be repugnant to the Jews. And there may be an element to that. But that's in many commentaries, you'll see that as the main reason given primary reason given, in other words, how could James give them any regulation? We're free from the law. So why would he tell them this? Why would he say this? If we're free from the law, he must only be putting these stipulations down because Moses is preached in every city. You have Jews there. You don't want to offend the Jewish people that are not Gentiles that believe in Jesus or the non-believing Jews even. So just do these three or four things, and this way you have harmonious relations. Many commentaries will tell you that. But I believe that's a low opinion of the Old Testament scriptures and even of the New Testament writings to say that they're told to abstain from sexual immorality, etc. Do it just not to offend the Jews. I think even if there weren't any Jewish believers to worry about, this would be the word of God to all believers in Jesus Christ. I believe the decree impacts directly on the Gentile believers' walk in the Lord, how they should live for themselves to be right with God, irrespective of the Jews. And I think Paul's letters later on say likewise. These are critical areas. This is not just an accommodation for those who are Pharisees. And that's many Christian interpreters, that's how they view it. I don't see that. I see just the opposite, that James is saying, look, don't burn them any further because they're going to hear the law. They're going to know about Moses anyway. But these things, you can't really wait for them to learn. There are some things that are so essential, 
You don't have time for them to go into Bible study and hear Moses and apply it. This is critical. You can't have sexual immorality among the brethren. You can't have idolatry among the brethren. You can't have them drinking blood. These are essential things. We've got to tell them these things straight out because this is not a matter of ceremonial law. This is the heart and spirit of the Old Covenant and the New. Jesus says uh, in John chapter 5, John chapter 5, verse 45, he says to the, um, the Jewish leaders who were accusing him, he says, Do not think I shall accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, in whom you trust. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe? How will you believe my words? Jesus had a high opinion of the scriptures that God gave through Moses. If you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? An aside, if you go back to verse 44, he says, how can you believe who receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from the only God? And that's critical to this council, to what's going on in this council. Many times in religious leadership, the people, Jew, Gentile, desire to receive honor from one another. And that's what's happening really with the Pharisees, the Pharisee believers who are following Paul and looking at what he's doing in the Gentile areas and are ready to criticize and take the Gentiles and really make them converts fully to Judaism, make them physical descendants of Abraham. They're looking to bring honor upon themselves. And those who really are in positions of leadership, remember, you have a vibrant church in Jerusalem. It's hard for us to remember this, but the multitude of believers, the first believers, are in Jerusalem. There by the ministry of Peter and the, and the other 12. There by those who have set the stage in the middle of Roman occupation and persecution by the Sanhedrin. They're just growing and growing in numbers. They're the first ones, and so they come down to hear what the apostles and elders in Jerusalem have to say. And some of these apostles and elders, they're very humble people. Peter was a fisherman. And here you have these educated Pharisees he has to go up against. And they look, the true apostles, those in real authority, look to honor God. They want to know his will. They're not looking to receive honor and praise from men. And there's a distinction you have between the two groups. The writings of Moses are extremely important. And to say that this is just a side thing, and I've heard ministers preach this many times, this was trying to put a little lore on the Gentiles to satisfy the Jews as a compromise, I think distorts the scriptures. This is a testimony of James agreeing with them, Paul, Barnabas, don't trouble them any longer, just give them this very practical information that they need to hear. Look at the result of this successful counsel. Verse 22 then after James has said this, then it pleased the apostles and the elders with the whole church. So you have all an agreement here. From Peter's words of wisdom, Paul and Barnabas's testimony, James's scriptural analysis, they all now, from being all in uh, chaos, they all now agree. They come to one mind. The apostles, the elders, verse 22, with the whole church, to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch 
with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, who was also named Barsabbas, and Silas, leading men among the brethren. And you have the letter here, verse 23. They, not just James, sometimes this letter is just applied to James, but it's not. It's all of them agreeing on this, one mind, one accord. They wrote this letter by them, the apostles, the elders, and the brethren, to the brethren who are of the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Look at the attitude. Apostle, elders, brothers from Jerusalem to the brothers of the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, Cilicia. Brothers. They're not making an edict, passing it down from the center of the faith as a proclamation from the one city, right? They're saying, you're our brothers, your brethren. And here you have it working perfectly together, Jew and Gentiles, brothers in Jesus Christ. Greetings, verse 24. Since we have heard that some who went out from us, they came from Judea, right? Have troubled you with words, unsettling your souls, saying you must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment. So being very clear here, we didn't send them out. We didn't tell them to do this. If they're saying they represent us, the council of believers in Jerusalem, we didn't send them out that way. And we know they've troubled you. We gave them no commandment. Verse 25, it seemed good to us being assembled with one accord. You know, sometimes you say, how do you come to the one mind of Christ on difficult issues? This is a template for it. This was a very critical issue. It was a very difficult theological issue. And here you have the template of how it all proceeded, that from chaos, from dispute, you have now one mind, one accord. It seemed good to us being assembled with one accord to send chosen men to you with our beloved, beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who will also report the same things by word of mouth. So we have more information about Silas, uh, who we spoke about earlier in the series, that he risked his life for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they send Judas, Barsabbas, and Silas, that they would confirm by word the letter that they're sending to this church. One accord, one purpose of mind, reached by the Lord working through Peter and Paul and Barnabas and James. And so we see the importance of their position, right? There is importance to positions of authority, those truly called by the Lord to keep his word pure and his teaching pure. And there's no dispute here between the elders of Jerusalem and James and Paul. They call Paul and Barnabas our beloved Barnabas and Paul. And you have real believers now bringing the letter this Judas, Barsabbas, and Silas, to confirm it. The question is, who has directed the Jerusalem council? Who took the charge? Who was the leader? Who directed this council and made the decree? You read it in verse 28, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit directed it. Did he use men in position? Yes, they all know Peter. They all know the stories of Peter, his ministry with Jesus for three years. Jesus 
giving him the different commandments, telling him, feed my sheep, tend my lambs. They know Peter when he gets up and preaches at Pentecost. They know James, he's a half-brother of Jesus. He could tell them what Jesus was like when he was a young boy, a young man. They know Paul, they know Barnabas by reputation, hearing about these Gentiles who worshiped abominable things, and no Jew would ever think you could reach these people, now by the multitudes turning to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob through the gospel of Jesus Christ, which Paul preaches. God uses people in authority. But overall, the most important thing, because they were each submissive to God, who really ran that council? The Holy Spirit. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. They knew they could feel the testimony of God. When they were assembled together, they're all in their flesh, they're all fighting, and Peter gets up and speaks, and the Spirit of God falls. And Paul and Barnabas give testimony, and the Spirit of God falls. James quotes Scripture, and the Spirit of God falls. The Spirit of God testifies to the truth, so they know that no, this is what the Lord wants. And the Holy Spirit takes charge of the council. Seemed good, they say. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these what? Necessary things. This doesn't sound like a compromise so that you can have harmonious relationships with the Jewish believers. These are necessary things for the Jews. They're necessary things for the Gentiles. They're necessary things for all believers that you abstain. The Holy Spirit for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit. Join Pastor Greg on the web for serious Bible study. The address is www.shiarjashub.org.